Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. So we're going to get into the word. Before we do, let's pray, hey? Father God, we thank you that you have given us um, your word, your scripture, that you have given us your very body, your life, as an example to us. And so God, um, as we delve into this tonight, I pray that you would open hearts, that you would open ears to hear, Lord God, that we would be challenged to, uh, to go beyond our comfort zone, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So we've been talking about God's heart for the poor and his, his heart for justice in this series. And uh, we know by now, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, that God is passionate about this issue and he wants us to be too. It is personal to him. Yes? And so if it's personal to him, I want to make it personal to me because I want to make sure I'm in line with what God is wanting for my life and the lives of those around me. Now, if I look across this room, the vast majority of people that I see already get this. You guys already get this. And in fact, I've never met a person who doesn't want to help other people, no matter what basis of faith they come from, or none. Um, So many of us are giving regularly to the poor. Um, We might be doing that through partnerships or sponsorships, or maybe we're doing it spontaneously, directly to people in our lives. Maybe we're doing all of those things, and that's amazing. I want to ask the question tonight, how do we keep it up? How do we keep it up? Galatians 6, 9 tells us not to grow weary in doing good. It's a well-known verse. I'm not going to put it up because you guys know it, and that's the bit we need to focus on. Do not grow weary in doing good. You know what? We need to be told that, and it's in Scripture because it's probable that at some point we are going to grow weary in doing good, okay? It's in there for a reason. (laughs) So how do we make it personal again? How do we make it personal again? You know, it's not a tick box that we check and forget about. We're going to speak about compassion a little bit later tonight. Was I'm so sorry that you're here to hear this, but I am terrible at writing to my compassion children. I was good at the beginning. I need to make it personal again. I know that for me, that's what I'm taking out of this today. The challenge for those of us that are already being compassionate towards the poor is how do I see the need from a fresh perspective and continue to want to meet it? Have you ever been given something that for whatever reason you were incredibly grateful for? Like over the top, couldn't keep it in, incredibly grateful for. All right, if you haven't, this is an example of what that might look like. Let's take a look at the screen. This is Boston, everybody. Doesn't this just make you happy, like, instantly? I mean, seriously, the research for this message was so hard to do. (laughs) (laughs) Hours on YouTube. Um, By the way, if anyone in the room needs to know ever if you did this for me, personal preference, miniature poodle, just... (laughs) (laughs) But this boxer is pretty adorable. Have you ever seen so much gratitude spilled out as, that, as those little girls who were just like, oh my goodness, I didn't even know that I needed this in my life, you know? Yes. I'm, I'm like, I'm seriously hoping it doesn't be on me. 
So you could look at that clip and think that nothing quite feels like getting surprised with a puppy. And from where I'm standing today right now, it's pretty good, let me, <laughs> let me tell you. But um, let's fast forward two years. This dog is a little bit bigger, and so are they. We know that those girls are now complaining about the work it takes to look after that gorgeous, adorable little bundle of surprise and thankfulness. The polish has worn off. Oh, it's got the hiccups. <laughs> Stage fright is what that is. Okay, so are those girls two years from now still grateful? Sure, sure they are. Do they love that dog? Absolutely but they've grown weary of doing the work that comes with it, right? Thank you. For sale, by the way. Just see Sim afterwards. <laughs> All right. That's a dog. We're talking about something so much better and everlasting tonight. Any gift that we get given by God is packaged in love that is everlasting. Jeremiah 31.3 tells us this. This is how I can prove it to you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. When God has been good to you, do you want to thank him? I want to thank him in a tangible way. And um, we're about to read an account that's going to give us a couple of clues as to how we answer the question, how do we stay fresh with this? How do we keep the struggle of the needy personal for us? So we read this passage in Mark 14, and we join Simon the leper in his home, and he has invited Jesus over for dinner. Now, interesting fact, Simon the leper can't still be a leper because he's invited people around, and you can't do that if you have leprosy. So the fact that they're still calling him Simon the leper is indicative that it was a recent title. If it was a recent title but it is no more, it means that he was healed. Okay? He's inviting Jesus over for dinner, do you think? I'm just presuming on the scripture here that maybe Jesus had something to do with it. Okay. So we'll work on that assumption tonight. <laughs> and so Simon's response is a thank you dinner. Jesus, you need to come over to my house for a meal. You have to meet my family. You've restored them to me. You've restored me to them. I need to express my gratefulness to you. I need to demonstrate my gratitude. It's spilling out and coming out over in action, right? So we're going to pick it up in verse 3. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. Can I just say, marketing has gotten better these days. It's like, <laughs> Chanel sounds a lot better than, honey, I got you a bottle of nard. <laughs> she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? If you could, it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. Interesting statement. We're going to come back to that. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her, even 2019 today. Now, pure nard is an essential oil. 
Linnea's got a bottle of it there for me. What we're going to do is we're going to pass it around the room. Have a little sniff and then pass it. Like, I say little sniff because, like, it's super strong. <laughs> and I get the joy of watching everyone's faces do this. <sighs> like that. <laughs> okay. Why are we doing that? Random thing to do. Just as a side note, okay? When we read the Bible, we should immerse ourselves in the story. Let's immerse ourselves. Picture what was happening. Hear what they heard. See what they saw. Smell what they smelt. Feel what they felt. It really makes the story come alive because you know what? It's not a story. It's history. It happened to real people like you and I. So whenever you are reading the Bible, make it come alive. Do whatever it takes. That had to come from like Amazon or something. It, like There was multiple clicks to find that. Just saying. All right, so let's walk this through. We have a bunch of men reclined at the table at the party. And this woman enters, and instead of serving the men like traditionally she would do, she interrupts them. Rude. She comes over to Jesus carrying an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, cultural context. This jar contains something that was very precious. Something like this would commonly be given to a woman along with her dowry. Now, how can I say this? delicately. There weren't a lot of opportunities to bathe back then. Um, you had the river, but that was very immodest because people were around. So you didn't wash very well, very often. Got the picture? Okay, add that to your smell box. <laughs> this jar <laughs> would contain the perfume that she would use to make herself acceptable to her husband. It would be the fragrance of her love, which should last her an entire lifetime. And if you're smelling that, you know how strong that is. You only need a drop to make it efficient, to make it effective. When she poured out her quantity, it was half a litre. That's 15 mils. Half a litre. It was meant to last her a lifetime. Now, the fact that this woman has produced such a gift and poured it out in one go at a public party is beyond extravagant. It is beyond extravagant. The significance of her extravagant gift could be clarified to mean, I give you all of my love for all of my lifetime. She gave Jesus the fragrance of the love of her lifetime, spending it all on Jesus in that moment, all of it. Okay, I read this story and I go, why would she do that? Why would she do that? This is pre-cross. He hasn't died for her yet. Who is this woman? Why would she do that? Well, the Gospel of John also describes the scene. John 12, um, verses 1 to 3, says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Hmm. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. Hmm. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, scholars believe this is the very same dinner in both accounts. I tend to agree, because what are the chances of this happening twice in one week? <laughs> okay? So here it tells us that Mary may be the woman that we're looking for. Mary, whose brother was just raised from the dead. 
four days dead, raised from the dead. Mary, who met Jesus on the road and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary, who, so in, who was so incredibly grateful for the gift that she had received that she poured herself out at his feet. And for Mary, it was not about who was watching. She was focused entirely on Jesus. She had an audience judging her. It was not an appropriate time to do this intimate thing. It wasn't. And she didn't care. She did something incredibly sacrificial for him, and the scent of her sacrifice is still in the air today. You're smelling it. So if you're taking notes, this is the first lesson we learned from this story. It starts with the heart. Her heart was so overflowing with gratitude for what he had done for her that nothing was too much, nothing was too hard. John's account says that when the perfume was poured out upon Jesus, that its fragrance filled the house. You can see why, right, after smelling it. Jesus called the act a beautiful thing. When she wiped Jesus' feet with her hair, she walked away smelling like Jesus did. And when we use what we have for Jesus, whatever it is, others can sense that we have been with him too. Still works today. Mary's sacrifice is bold, it's generous, it's grateful. And it came from the heart because her heart was entirely focused on him. When we do the same thing, it lifts our eyes off our surroundings and off the reality of what's going on around us. And it makes us want to be in proximity to him. It makes us want to do anything for him. It takes us back to the first moment of gratitude when we first get handed the puppy, our first love. It takes us back to that moment when we sit at his feet. It starts with the heart. Let's get close to him. Let's sit at his feet. Let's understand like Mary that it is a privilege to give anything to him. You think Mary once regretted her extravagance? I don't think so. I don't think she did. If, if we can get the heart of Mary, we will not tire of doing good. Because our eyes are fixed on him and our hearts are perpetually grateful because his love is eternal. It doesn't go away. It doesn't turn off. It doesn't get old. And when our eyes are fixed on him, we don't fixate on the problem. So here the guys were reclined at the table watching this unfold and having a lot of trouble making sense of what was happening. Because they were looking at the circumstances. Hey, let's not lean back at the table and get so comfortable about being there that we look at someone giving their all to Jesus and think to ourselves, well, that's a little much. Don't, be at the, don't, don't do that. I don't want to do that. Instead, if you really remember what God saved you from and what he sacrificed for you, if, he, if you really appreciate what he is to you, then it is no sacrifice. It's a willing gift that you keep an eye out for the opportunity to give. Mary looked out for the opportunity, and when she saw it, it didn't matter that the, op- that the conditions weren't perfect. She seized it. If you're waiting for the perfect time to interrupt someone's life, you won't find it. Conditions won't be perfect, do it anyway. Why was she able to just go in with that laser focus, though? Like, did she wrestle with the whole idea that everyone was going to be quite judgy, that this was so inappropriate? You know what, I, I think she did it because Mary had seen dead things come to life. 
She has seen one word from God transform a situation. She had a personal experience of the power of God. And you know what? He has called me out of my grave. And I want my response to him to be that of Mary. Extravagant service to my God and Savior compels me to have a heart for the poor. And when I serve them, I serve him. Matthew 25, 40 tells us that very clearly. And you know what I love about Jesus? He doesn't just do resurrection. He is resurrection. So when we give to him, we plant in the soil of resurrection. And when a farmer plants a seed, he doesn't have a funeral for it, even now. (laughs) He has an expectation that it will bring a harvest. That's how Mary's heart was aligned. It starts with the heart. What can get in the way of our heart? My head. (laughs) For me, anyway, it's my head, mostly. We can be like the rest of the grumblers at the party. We can get a little cynical. We might think, you know what, the problem is too big and I can't make a difference. And even if I meet their need today, they'll have it again tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not up for it. And then going back to verse 7, when Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want. Does that mean Jesus kind of feels like that too? Has anyone ever read that that way? an interesting statement. I actually think he means the opposite. And here's my reasoning. You know how some catchphrases are just so well known that everyone knows the ending? Okay, so I'm going to give you one. You're going to throw it back to me. Ready? Sticks and stones. Yes. So I only have to say sticks and stones in any conversation and I'm wasting my breath saying the rest. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Same thing happened in this verse. The poor you will always have with you was the beginning of a quote um, of a well-known biblical phrase from a well-known passage of the Torah. Now, everyone hearing him back then would have caught his drift because they know the Torah off by heart since the age of 12. Okay? So they know the rest of this statement. We don't, so let's fill in the blanks. If among you, one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, You shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against the poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. For the poor you will always have with you in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, to the poor in your land. So reading Jesus' words in their original context, you can see that his words were meant to spur generosity towards the poor. Open wide your hand. This is the second thing we learned from this story. Open your hand. Open hand keeps it personal. I think a merry-sized heart loving Jesus extravagantly is capable of dreaming big, of believing that circumstances can change and lives can be altered by a God that is the king of resurrection. With a heart that has that kind of faith, our open hand becomes a crazily effective extension of what God wants to do on the earth. And it just so happens that it's attached to your wrist. And it just so happens that he wants to bless the poor. Have you ever thought, oh, what does God want me to do? I don't know. It's not clear. It's really clear. Daz preached on it a couple of weeks ago brilliantly. Isaiah 58, 6 to 12. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. 
Just pausing there. I love that he says it's not enough that people go free, but we are to remove the chains that bind. We need to get to the root of the problem and deal with that. Verse 7, share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Interesting that that's in there. (laughs) Verse 9, then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. When we do the work that is close to God's heart, we find ourselves in close proximity to him. Interesting. We want to be closer to God? This is how we get there. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. Just like having the scent of his perfume on us, it will be clear to people who we've been hanging out with. Verse 11, the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. How beautiful is that picture? This is not going to wear you out if you're doing it with your eyes on him. We get worn out when we look at the crowd. We get worn out when we look at circumstances. We get worn out when we look at the size of the problem. We get worn out when we look at the size of the sacrifice. When we align ourselves with God's word, we set ourselves up for strength and longevity and freedom. And then verse 12, some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Some of us. That's challenging. Some of us will recline at the table and have a lot of great intentions but forget to keep it personal we will forget to act out our gratitude, even though we have it. It's real. We have gratitude. But if we don't act on it, it's not felt. It's not perceived. And some of us, some of us, will remember that we were brought out of the grave and given a new life and that God can speak a word and resurrect anything, just as the band comes. Those of us who make a habit of aligning our heart with that truth and opening our hand in faith, oh my gosh, you guys, we're going to see homes restored. We're going to see hope built. We're going to see people's lives raised out of the ashes. We're going to see wounds healed. We're going to see chains broken. We're going to see the forgotten remembered. Is anybody up for that? That's, That's like the most awesome version of life that you could possibly have, and I am ready to sign up for that. I am absolutely ready to sign up for that version of my life. Stephen Furtick has a saying, dream bigger, start smaller. I love that. I'm claiming it. (laughs) Because if we forget that God can do all those things, a resurrecting God, if we forget that he is big enough to do anything, to fix anyone's situation, to raise anyone up, if we forget that, then we aren't dreaming big enough and we won't try to do anything in his name that really matters. Because to be honest with you, if I don't think it's going to work, I'm not going to do it. It's not where I'm going to put my time or my money or my resource. I have to start with belief. I have to start. And that 
happens at his feet because we are remembering that he is a resurrecting God who has given us everything. I love that he says start smaller because all big things start with small things. Small is something as simple as deciding that my eyes are on Jesus. Small is something as simple as I'm deciding my hand is open. We can make that decision right now. We can't all give more money to this. Some of us are giving as much as we can give on the financial front. But that is just one way to tackle this. We need people working on removing those chains that bind. We need people working on speaking up for the powerless, for changing mindsets, for putting solutions in the hands of the needy that give them dignity and self-sufficiency. If you don't have finance, do that. Mother Teresa once said this. It's a great quote. I think we've got it. I'll read it. The greatest disease in the West today is not TB or leprosy. It is being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. There are many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more dying for a little love. The poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. It is not only a poverty of loneliness, but also of spirituality. There's a hunger for love as there is a hunger for God. You know, I don't know what your world looks like. You may have access to lots of people who are on the breadline, but some of us don't. They're not the circles that we're in. They're not the suburbs we live. And we maybe don't come across people who are legitimately poor very often. Can I change your mindset? That in this country, in this neighborhood, there are plenty of poor people. There are plenty of people who are absolutely lacking something that they desperately need. And guess what? You carry the bread. You carry the very thing that they need that will not only change their tomorrow, but will change their eternity. And isn't that better than giving them a pile of soup anyway? We'll do that too, (laughs) if that's what they need. But let's actually meet their need but point them to the person who meets it perpetually, eternally. Otherwise, we're just giving them a puppy. They'll be happy in the moment, and then two years from now, be over it. God is not that. He's not that. Will you stand with me, please? I want to pray for you guys. We want to dream big. We want to start small, but we need to start. Amen? We need to start. I want to pray for you, and I want to pray that... God really brings this message to life for you today. That he really shows you that where where in your world rubber hits the road on this. If you just want to close your eyes and just give me a wave of your hand if you are on board with that. If you want to live that life that sees the broken healed, that sees people raised up, that sees circumstances change and that sees a God who is absolutely worthy of receiving the glory for it, receive the glory for it. Amen. There's lots of us right across this room. So let's just join in prayer. Father God, we thank you, thank you, thank you. We are so grateful for you. We are so, so grateful for what you have done 
in our lives. Lord God, it spills out into action today, Lord Jesus. It spills out into action. Father, we want to stand here and draw a line in the sand and say, from this moment forward, I am coming to your feet fresh and knowing that you are King of kings and Lord of lords of all situations. And any situation that I come across in someone else's life that seems hopeless and helpless, God, I know that you are King of that too. Father God, we just lift our spirit in faith to you, Lord Jesus. We are thinking of circumstances even now where we want to put before you, Lord Jesus, and say that you are the resurrecting Lord, Lord God. And we will engage in the work that you have put in our hand to do. Father, let us know that we are equipped, we are enabled by you, we are anointed, carrying the same scent that you have, Lord Jesus. May people know that you are great because you do great things through our hands. Show us opportunities, Lord God. Show us, Lord, even now, show us. In Jesus' name. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.